Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Please do subscribe. I just recorded a subscriber episode, and it was about when you have implicit rules about what you can and cannot say in couples counseling. So that will be relevant to more of you than like to admit it. And if that gave you a weird feeling listening to it, then yes, again, I am psychic, and uh, this is a common pattern and something that you should really hear me talk about because... um, it, it goes beyond just trying to save face or being scared of your spouse. All right, so anyway, today's episode is on a very common thing that happens, which is losing friends after divorce. And people talk about this in my Facebook group. People talk about this just in general. Um, it's something that everybody who's divorced has experienced. And a lot of people don't understand why it happens, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And this could start even back from separation. You know, I mean, as soon as you separate, even really before. Even when you try to talk about wanting to separate, then a lot of people will uh, will disapprove. And so why, you know? Well, I mean, there's numerous we- reasons why, right? So if you have anybody that's religious, if you have any friends that literally don't believe in divorce or family members, then they disapprove. It's the same as if you told them you were, uh, you know, you started a heroin habit or something. Like, they just disapprove. They think that it's bad. They think everybody's going to get hurt. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll, uh, they, they will just disapprove in the same way that they would if you said any other thing that you, you know, were going to start bungee jumping with your kids every Saturday morning. You know, they would think that it's risky and terrible and the children are going to get hurt, right? Um, so there are those people, but then you say, well, what about my more liberal friends? They're not religious at all. In theory, they believe in divorce, you know? And they believe in uh, people being happy. And uh, so why don't I have those friends anymore? Well, I mean, there, there are different reasons, right? I mean, first of all, it's a known thing for a reason. Uh, stereotypes exist for a reason that w- women kind of keep the couple friends after divorce. This is because a lot of couple friends are predicated on the woman's close friendship with another woman. And so even when the husbands become friends, they just became friends because of the wives being best friends. Women are generally more social and have more friendships, according to any research you could find, than men, especially after marriage. And um, and especially after kids and an older age, etc., men have fewer friendships. So the women's friendships, if they were the linchpin of the whole operation, then it's going to remain that the woman keeps the female friendship and the man, uh, the husband basically stops answering the guy's texts because his wife hates the guy because, um, you know, the, the divorce is then pinned on the husband. And in order for the women to stay friends, the woman needs to seem loyal to the woman. It's a whole thing. So in that case, I never advise the man to just keep like somehow going after this guy to reclaim friendship. No, I mean, he picked his side, you know, let, let, let him be and go find other friends with other divorces men or somebody else, you know, old friends that you could reconnect with or what have you. Um, Now, uh, family members are also going to side with the ex-wife frequently because she may get more custody of the kids. So the man's own parents may think that if they want to see the grandkids, they better be on the side of the ex-wife. And they may well be. You know, that that may be true because in many cases the woman does get more custody and it's not always like the man wants it. Sometimes he wants it and doesn't get it. Increasingly, if he wants it, he gets it. But um, frequently he doesn't because he has a high power job. He's gone a lot. He travels a lot. So 
he'll take uh, Wednesday night and every other weekend instead of 50-50 or something like that. Or he just uh, is is uh, not confident about parenting on his own, or he feels bad for her because she had her whole life being a mother, and so he lets the kids, especially if they're little, be more with the mother. Sometimes they want to be more with the mother. For whatever reason it is, if the woman ends up with more custody, then the grandparents and the family especially will want to maintain their ties with the ex-wife so that they could see the kids more. So then we get down to the friends that don't disapprove of divorce and they don't care about seeing the kids more, but they just give little snarky comments or they get very disapproving or they get disapproving once you start dating or once you start remarrying or, or at some point they start to get very disapproving. Usually these come in two buckets. They're very anxious people that hate change. And so they really wanted, they want everything to stay the same. It gives them too much cognitive dis to have a friend divorce because they thought, well, now we in our friend group are all married and that's how it's going to stay. And um, any sort of change makes them very, very anxious. They also overstate the impact on the children because people project their own personality onto others. So they feel that the children must feel horrible and like this, that, the other. Of course, kids feel bad after divorce, but they'll overstate it just like in any other state. Anxious people project their own anxiety onto others. Even their own children, you know, so they'll think their kid is being ostracized when the kid just had like a fight with a friend, you know, and so these sort of people see the negative everywhere. This is a very anxious worldview. And so then they are going to overstate the damage that is being done by the divorce. It makes them anxious to think about change in general. They, they, they don't like the idea of like one person that they know being divorced, but not everybody else. And it's like, like they get very rigid. And so there's those people and then, and, or, and these could be the same people, there's people with their own unhappy marriages. You know, so if most of your relationship with somebody was bitching and moaning about how shitty your marriages were, like misery loves company, and this is not an uncommon way to bond, then one person decides, you know what, I've had enough. I'm going to go pursue happiness in whatever form outside of this marriage and end this marriage. The other person can feel very abandoned and very, very resentful and jealous. And if they, if they, if they push the jealousy under the rug because they don't want it to come up to consciousness because that makes them feel bad and kind of threatened, you know, because then they might have to move on on like, you know, a, their own divorce or something if they were to allow it to come to consciousness. Instead, they will, you know, fixate on this person as not working hard enough on the marriage or being irresponsible or like something like that. In reality, they don't like the flashlight being show, being shined on their own marital dysfunction. So it's it's very quick, like to figure out who this is. Because if a female client says to me, "Oh my God, my friend, you know, said to me like, oh, like you dating all these different guys right now, you know, that must that that's so irresponsible, you know, like what if this happened? What if that happened? You know, this, that, the other. Like I don't know if I could support you having sex with like different." men, you know, after your divorce or whatever, like, you know, as though it's like her own vagina, how much she cares about it or something. I'm like, oh, how's her marriage? 
invariably the woman will be like, oh, her marriage, well, her marriage is not that great. You know, I mean, I don't think they've had sex in a couple years. And, you know, it's always been up in the air whether the guy's been cheating on her. And uh, also they did try couples counseling. It's always like a shit show, you know? So like the person, of course, they don't like the idea of the friend pursuing their happiness and freedom because on some level they wish they could, but they can't for whatever reason. Often, it's the same kind of persona, the same sort of personality overlaps, and it's somebody who's very scared of change, scared of moving forward. So because they're trapped in an unhappy marriage, the only kind of person they could really bond with is another person who feels trapped in an unhappy marriage. And then they engage on the rhetoric of, oh, my God, men slash women are so terrible. Oh, my God, this is just how life is. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Parenting sucks. Marriage sucks. Everything sucks. And so when one person moves away from that, then it's a huge stress to the relationship. Uh, I constantly talk about when one person in a relationship, meaning a romantic relationship, improves and gets healthier, then it often stresses the relationship to the max. I always give the uh, example of this codependency is in the movie When a Man Loves a Woman with Meg Ryan. But a little version of this can happen in friendships. So when one friend gets healthier, I mean, you could see it so quickly when somebody stops drinking, right? So if you've ever like had relationships based on like we go out and get drunk and then you've stopped drinking everybody doesn't like it they're not like oh go you oh wow you're really healthy now they may say that but there's like a little with some people some people are genuinely happy the more confident and happy people they are then the more happy they are for you but the people who struggle with their own let's say uh insecurity about do i drink too much those people are not going to be happy they're going to make the snide comments so it's exactly the same thing if you are trying to pursue your own self-actualization and the other person feels trapped then it's very comfortable to think all adults feel trapped all marriages are difficult everything is a burden it's a straight shot to the grave you know whatever they think if you show that you don't believe that anymore than the marriage not the marriage see it's it's very similar to what happens in marriages but then the friendship will be stressed to the max and often does not survive that and it also when you divorce you do change a lot this is a time of tremendous and uh, expedited self-actualization and growth so people will take up other hobbies they're learning more about themselves they're dating again they're learning about themselves as a potential partner they're parenting on their own they have to get a new house they may have to like start working a different job so this is a time of very um, fast-tracked growth and so you've changed you're changing a lot and some of your interests frequently with divorced people turn very self-oriented such as fitness you know so a lot of divorced people of both genders get back into shape they say wow I really let myself go during the marriage and they try to get back into shape so these sorts of things can seem very superficial to the other partner you know and quite honestly in today's uh you know, day and age where there is split custody a lot, you also have a lot more time. So you're doing more stuff and they don't have time to do it. Again, there may be some jealousy and there may be some, you know, just thinking that you are selfish and shallow. So and, and those may be related. So but whatever it is, they no longer feel that you have a lot of stuff in common. You know, so you going to your sculpting class and going to CrossFit on the Tuesdays and Thursdays, let's say that you don't have the kids. If you were previously bonding with your girlfriend about how our life is such a such drudgery, then it's no longer going to be relevant. 
you know, and not all of this is about the is about the person not being happy. Sometimes, if you want to look inward, when you divorce, you get kind of self-absorbed in that you're going through a traumatic thing and you may over-confide in your friends. So if you got to think about this, are you using your friends too much as a sounding board? Do you have friends that are perfectly supportive, but they don't necessarily want to be the person that you call up and use as a free therapist and that you have to tell about all the ups and downs with whoever else you're dating and whatever. Unless your relationship was previously like that, then uh, this could be a big change for the worse and they don't have like all this crazy stuff going on in their life. So they may start to feel like a free therapist. And in this case, you know, obviously it makes sense that they would not want to remain friends. And so you, this is why a lot of divorced people really need an actual therapist. It's a great time to introspect, figure out who you want to be, who you're going to be moving forward, and also make sure that there's somebody you're paying to talk to once a week about your travails so that you don't have to depend overly much on any one individual friend who, of course, has their own life you know, to deal with. So this could be another reason, and you got to think about if that's relevant to you. The most common one that I see is just that you're at such different phases now, and usually, which can sometimes be accommodated, but if the friend struggles with their own marital dissatisfaction and is in a martyr is a martyr sort of person, you know, somebody who feels that life is suffering and that this is what marriage is. And, you know, of course, like nobody can be fully happy and you make your life only around your kids and whatever. And that was like rhetoric that you were also espousing previous to the divorce. Well, then you've really just become different people, you know, and there's like no, you, sometimes there's no getting over it because they're going to continue to make like pointed jabs about, yo, must be nice to have no responsibility on those days or like whatever or you know of course the fake concern like oh it must be so hard for you not to have the children 100% of the time you know which I call weaponized concern in a different podcast but um there's a lot of ways that people can make it clear that you make them uncomfortable so what's the healthy approach the healthy approach is just to kind of you know, like uh, pull back a little bit and let them be the one to contact you and then get a more objective perspective on why they contact you. It's very easy nowadays with text. It used to be primarily on the phone. But like literally people will like tell me about texts where if they wait for like a couple weeks to let the friend, the one that makes the pointed jabs reach out, they'll look and it's like every time the person texts them, it's like, oh, I just, you know, like was... uh thinking that you know you should be careful meeting that new guy on match you never know somebody could be a serial killer you know and we're like or like just thinking about how much you must miss your kids and like it's like every text is kind of negative and intended to to show the person that they made the wrong choice which is only done by somebody who is not happy themselves and wants to be more confident in their own choices so then their own internal voice says well maybe she is you know remarried to somebody you know successfully but Look at the statistics on divorce in second marriages. Who knows how long that'll last anyway? And you know what? Better the devil you know than the devil you don't. And my husband and I may not have had sex in six years, but fuck it. Sex isn't everything. You know, the children are everything, you know? And it's like you, you, you can't really get there. You can't really get on the same page anymore if, these, if, if this is how different you guys think about marriage and life, et cetera, et cetera. So some relationships, you just outgrow them. And divorce is a big inflection point for that. 
And, um, you know, because you do turn in somewhat to a different person because it's such a tremendous life change. So if this has happened to you, you are not alone. It isn't because you're some uniquely terrible person. That means that you lost friends after divorce. It's free. It's frequent. It's like so common. And there are some friends that are still your friends after divorce. And those, again, are usually the more happy, confident people that have better marriages, you know, and then they don't care. They want everybody to be happy like them. And so they think, oh, good. You know, I mean, there's going to be ups and downs, but this person will will try. My friends here will try to be happy. Everybody deserves to be happy. And that's kind of a different sort of way to go about it than nobody deserves to be happy almost, which is the other competing the competing philosophy, which then would make sense of the person's own self-sacrifice and inability to be happy in their own marriage, which then, you know, becomes uncomfortable to think about, really. So, so this is... This is an overview of why people, and I also have a post about it, so a lot of this overlapped with the post, how to lose, you know, why people lose friends after divorce, which I'll link you to in the description, um, and hopefully was relevant and cleared up some of your, some of your thought processes about this, and because a lot of times people blame themselves, and again, sometimes you should, because you're, you're over-confiding, calling them at all weird times of the night, you know, etc., but in cases where that's not happening, then there can be some some competing variables at play. Nobody's good or bad in this scenario. You're just no longer compatible as friends, you know, and compatibility is super important in friendship as it is in all relationships. And if you're no longer at the same place, then it just really may, may not work out, you know. And if somebody feels kind of that they want to tear you down in order to feel better about themselves, then that, you know, it may have been a good friend for many years when you were at the same place in life, but they can no longer deal with it, right? So, uh, you know, oh, and I forgot, there is another kind of friend. And this is a friend who's not in a relationship. So you can't say that they're not in a happy marriage or anything because they're not in a relationship. But these friends, if you are in an unhappy marriage and then you got a friend who's not in any kind of a relationship, the perennially single friend, then you're probably spending more time with them when you're married than you do when you're divorced. And when you're married and unhappily married, then they could say basically, oh, it's good that I don't have a relationship because look at her relationship or his relationship. It's so bad, you know, and so or very disappointing in whatever way. So it makes me feel kind of good about myself that I'm not, not in a relationship. But if you then divorce and start to pursue other exciting romantic relationships, then this also may tip the balance with this person. So they don't actually want you to be happy and they, uh, because it makes them feel, again, very bad about their choices. Remember, most friends, most healthy people as adults do not try to control each other's choices. Like that just is not a thing that happens among two healthy adults that are, you know, in a friendship. They, they, there's no skin in the game. You know what I mean? So like they, you're never going to come in as a friend and, um, you know, be somebody's life partner. Like that isn't your role. So kind of your only role as an adult friend is to really be supportive. And so some people that are kind of really anxious, controlling people will be like, but isn't it my place to give my perspective? Like, like what, you know, like I should give my perspective on uh, somebody's bad choice, whether it's like a divorce or a job or their parenting or whatever. It's never your place. 
it's never, ever, ever your place to give your negative feedback unless the person specifically says, I would like you right now to give me your honest feedback on my parenting. Then, it's, then sure, go, go to town. Know that if you're too mean, then of course they may not want to be friends with you. But I guess you could say something in, in that situation. But people that kind of overestimate their importance, it's the same as in-laws. It's like when your mother-in-law shows up and she's like, I don't think you should wear that dress. It's like, bitch, who asked you? You know, nobody asked you. So it's the same thing with friends when they really start to over kind of overstate their their importance. It's like they don't have a lot going on in their life, so they make their life around being the friend who like can always give the honest feedback. Nobody wants that person. You know, like everybody else in the friend group thinks that person is like an asshole. But like the the point is that person you know, overstates their importance and tries to like think that they have more control than they really have. They get off on the idea that they could impact somebody. So if they tell the friend that the friend shouldn't sleep train her child, they feel like there's this shot that, you know, the friend is like, wow, I thought about it totally differently after Mary told me that I was being a bad mom. You know, that just made me respect Mary a lot more and change my decisions about sleep training. That shit isn't going to happen. What she's going to say is, you know what? I kind of had it with that bitch, Mary. You know, maybe she should get her own fucking life and stop talking about my kids and my parenting. So I'm never going to return Mary's calls again. That's more likely what's going to happen. So if you struggle with being the friend that always wants to uh, reach out and uh, correct your friends or give your honest feedback, this is not valued by healthy people. They don't make decisions based on like a friend's criticism. You know, if you want to, if you, of course, think that Mary's kids are in mortal danger, you know, or you are Mary and you think that your friend's kids are in mortal danger, then, you know, you know, call, call the police. But overall, people want friends who are supportive uh, and, uh, you know, just live in their own life and and interested, supportive want to engage but don't want to control or micromanage and don't have deep skin in the game about your life choices. So when that happens, it it looks more kind of like a seventh grade girl friendship, you know, like, oh, you shouldn't like so-and-so because so-and-so is mean. Then the other girl's like, oh my God, my best friend said I shouldn't have a crush on so-and-so. So so I'm going to think about this and diary about it and everything. And I guess I shouldn't like so-and-so. That's okay if you're a 12 year old girl and an immense uh, you know, best friendship. It no longer is that way when you're in your mid-30s or mid-40s. You know, at that point, it's kind of like if your friend doesn't like your husband, maybe they should shut the fuck up, really, you know, because it's not their husband. So, you know, think about this if you tend to be in these enmeshed kind of friendships. There need to be boundaries for healthy people in friendships, too. Men don't seem to have the same level of problem with enmeshed male friendships where they overtake the guy's advice. Men... Men in general can be less anxious. I've talked about that over and over. And that's true. That's like definitional prevalence rates of anxiety across genders. And, 
it's mostly anxious people that get highly enmeshed in and involved in their friend's life choices. Men don't tend to do this. If you're a man in a relationship where this is happening, you probably want to set a boundary because that guy is kind of struggling with a lot of stuff, probably the one who's trying to control what you do in your marriage without you asking for advice. If you ask for advice, cool. But if you don't ask for advice, anybody of any gender listening, if you're not asking for advice and you got a friend that's always trying to give you advice and the advice is always that you're kind of stupid, that is not a good relationship. That's what we call a toxic friendship. So you got to get out of that one. All right. Well, hope you found this exciting and illuminating and I'll talk to y'all soon.